Chapter Thirty Four. In less than an hour, they had started off. Father Ferva out in front, setting a brisk pace, while Bryant and his companions, dressed in plain woolen habits, rode atop their wagon behind the other friars. The sky above was dappled heavily with clouds. A cold wind laden with moisture gusted in their faces. Yet the mood among the travelers was nowhere near as dreary as the day. For the first time in weeks, after so many disappointments, Bryant dared to think their journey was coming to an end. Something told him he would see his friend soon, and he. Chuckled to himself, feeling almost giddy. He was confident now, renewed, and ready to take command of his small army. By early afternoon, they had reached the edge of Sherman Oaks. Father Ferver fell out of line and waved the column on. Hey, let's hop it now, brothers. We've got to get beyond the woods before nightfall. That's right. That's right. Pick up your pace. You've a healthy look to your cheeks, Brother Lumpkin. Keep it up. As a response to Father Ferver's prompting, the brothers took up a chant, one they often sang while repairing the monastery. Hop, hop, hop. Never will I stop. Not until I please the gods, or I'm about to drop. Flit, flit, flit. Never will I quit. This is how to please the gods and not be called a twit. Tread, tread, tread. Never will I dread. While singing praises to the gods, they cannot strike me dead. The light was beginning to wane as they approached the far edge of the woods, and it was here, just as they were breathing easier, their journey was halted by the appearance of a dozen rough-looking men. One brute was built much larger than the rest. A map of scars upon his face. He strode to the middle of the road, all but blocking the column's path, and he stood with his massive arms akimbo. It was cousin such. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, is it up? Announced the guild representative. This here is guild territory, and no one's allowed to cross without paying the two. So coffee up one girl base for mine. Despite his piousness, Father Fervor was never one to avoid a confrontation. And, stepping boldly to cousin such, he said, Uh, would you come again with that? Cousin such scowled and gestured impatiently for his interpreter to join them. Assuming an arrogant pose, the man turned to Father Fervor and, with practiced disdain, proceeded to explain, This is guild territory, and no one is allowed to cross without paying a toll. A toll, you say? Aye, that'll be one gold piece per man. Per man? Sir, we're humble friars sworn to a life of poverty. Satisfying your demands is simply beyond our means. This time it was Cousin Such's turn to be confused, and with his mouth hanging open, he turned to the interpreter and said, Huh? The interpreter rolled his eyes. Now I see I must go both ways. Very well. He means they're broke. They can't pay. Cousin Such turned back to the friar, his eyes narrowing. Oh, you pile rock. His hands came up quickly and grabbed Father Fervor by the front of his habit. Expending no energy at all, Cousin Such lifted him off the ground. Cause if you don't, I'm gonna smoke you in my pit. Father Fervor looked to the interpreter to translate. Pay up or he'll smoke you in his pit. No one threatened Father Fervor. Say here, you cursed brigand. Unhand me or I'll doff this habit and pummel you soundly. Cousin Such glanced at the interpreter once more. What's up? Oh, God's breath. 
Listen up, you rotten thief. Let go of me or I'll take off me robe and punch you in your face. During this exchange, Bryant had climbed down from the wagon and was approaching the front of the column. He flexed his hand and reached inside his robe for Slaybest, wondering if he had enough strength to wield the blade, much less withstand an attack. He had not gone very far when he became aware of footfalls behind him, and, glancing over his shoulder, found Kawa approaching fast. What are you doing? asked the prince. The retainer kept his eyes forward. In a situation such as this, I believe two swords would be better than one. Besides, my lord, you're in no shape to challenge these men by yourself. The prince continued looking at him as they proceeded. He realized their journey had changed many things about Kawa, the least of which being the set of lean, hard muscles the retainer had acquired. Very well then, said Bryant, duly impressed, but run if you find yourself in over your head. A good suggestion, my lord, one which I hope you yourself will heed should the need arise. Bryant looked askance at the cutthroats, assessing their worth as fighters. Luckily, the biggest of them was already occupied, and therefore not an immediate danger. The prince determined he could surprise and drop at least three before he would have to contend with the rest. But he never had the opportunity, for just as he was about to remove Slaybest, two men stepped from the shadowy woods behind the robbers and made ready to attack. Put that man down this instant, shouted one in an angry tone. He hefted a medium-sized crossbow armed with a hunting quarrel, while the other, who stood a whole head taller, brandished a menacing-looking war staff. Bryant stopped in his tracks and his heart leaped into his throat, for he had recognized the voice, and judging by the stature of the man's companion, he knew immediately they were Niles and Duane. Cousin Such disregarded the command. Instead, he turned, keeping his hold firmly upon Father Fervor. But when he saw Niles, he lowered the friar to the ground. What are you doing here? And why ain't she dead? Aye, said the interpreter amazed. What are you doing here, and why aren't you dead? At any other time, Niles would have responded with a sarcastic remark. But not today. We've a score to settle, Cousin Such. That should answer both your questions. What score? Asked the giant, his eyes narrowing. The interpreter opened his mouth, preparing to interpret. But Niles raised his hand. I understood the question. He looked at Cousin Such and sneered. We're not happy with our current representation. You took a large initiation fee from us, and by that I mean a cart full of food. Yet we've seen no benefits. To be perfectly frank, we think your guild's a sham. Cousin Such cast a dumb look toward the interpreter. He thinks you're a crook. How do you know? Said the leader, seething. I, I do. Niles tossed Dwayne his crossbow and unsheathed his sword, and I think it's time for a change of leadership. So I'm holding my own recall vote. This was a remark the guild representative could understand, and with a snarl he drew his sword and rushed Niles. His followers did the same, but they never expected to be attacked by Brian, Kawa, and Dwayne. Ah, oh. Even Father Fervor, despite his earlier pacifistic claim, jumped the interpreter and wrestled him to the ground. Here's something you won't need to translate, shouted the friar, smacking the man repeatedly in the face. Bryant and Kawa dispatched their foes easily, for most cutpurses were skilled in intimidation only. Sensing disaster, the remaining thieves broke off their attack and dashed for the woods. But Cousin Such knew nothing of this, being in such a furious state. I'm gonna smash your face in, rip your tongue out. I'm gonna slice your belly open, pull your anus out and lose it for the jump rope.
Just his size alone gave him the advantage, and he threw his weight behind each slash of his blade. Niles soon found himself pressed off the road and into the trees. But Willowbrook was a veteran soldier, and knew exactly what he was doing. Instead of matching blows with Cousin Such, he skillfully feinted this way and that, until the guild representative was panting. Same same force, look on my hand, you hear me? You bloody coward. How am I supposed to kiss you if you won't stand still? Though he had not understood every word, Niles caught the gist of it. Even so, he had no intention of obliging him. He leaped aside of a powerful swipe and pivoted to avoid a dangerous thrust, until he found himself against a tree. Well, now, looky here, sort of stuck, Cousin Such did not wait for a reply, thrusting his sword at the young man's throat. However, Niles, being a good two feet shorter than the man, ducked quickly and avoided the blade, which drove straight through the trunk's rot until it was buried to the hilt. Resistance notwithstanding, Cousin Such lost his balance and fell forward onto Niles' sword. His expression was one of surprise and confusion, replaced quickly by a grimace when the pain arrived. He convulsed several times, blood spurting from his mouth, then slid off the blade and dropped to his knees. His eyes drifted up to Niles, who shrugged and said, Hmm, bad luck there, I'm afraid. Not so fast, not so fast gurgled the guild representative, groping first, then taking hold of Niles' doublet. For your violation. Violation? Me? said the knight objecting. No, no, you're forgetting the bylaws. Article 3, Section 2, Paragraph 2. No member shall act in any way that might undermine the integrity of the guild. He allowed a grin to curl his lips. Of which, as you know, with my dues fully paid, I am now an active member. Hey, what about me? Yes, what about you? Niles pulled his doublet free of the guild representative's hand. From the looks of it, I think you are soon to be an inactive member. You're still a bloody scab, groaned the guild representative as he closed his eyes forever. Done now with the TCG of B, Niles headed toward the three friars who had lent him their assistance. Had he not been so preoccupied otherwise, he would have thoroughly enjoyed watching them fight, especially the leader. He was quite a scrapper. And the tall one, too. He had handled himself well. Perhaps he had been a soldier before pursuing the monastic life. That, called Niles to the tall one, was fine swordsmanship. Aye, added Duane, joining him. It was a good thing you were here. Well, you know what they say, said Bryant, pulling back his hood and revealing his face. The gods work in mysterious ways. Niles froze in his tracks, and Duane's mouth fell open. For a moment, neither spoke, causing the prince to laugh. <laughs> You should see the looks on your faces. Darren, said Niles finally, his voice filled with surprise. What are you doing here of all places? Though of all places, I'd say this one suits you best. The remark left Bryant speechless. He had been so excited to see his friends, it never occurred to him they might mistake him for his brother. No, Master Willowbrook, said Cower, answering for the prince. The retainer pulled back his hood, revealing his face. Not Darren, but your good friend Bryant. Instead of embracing him as Bryant expected, Duane stood his ground and Niles presented him with a stony look. Friends, blurted the prince, finding his voice at last. No need to mistrust your eyes, it is I, Bryant. And still they did not embrace him. What is the matter with you? Have you gone mad since last we saw each other? Duane wore an unforgiving frown. Bryant, is it really you? I, Niles sneered and shook his fists, unable to contain his wrath. How dare you, blurted the knight. First, 
first you banished us, then you destroyed our homes and murdered our families, and now you come within our reach like this? His face was beat red and his whole body shook. For if you've come alone expecting our forgiveness, you've made a terrible mistake. He drew his sword and advanced on the prince. Hold, said Bryant quickly, retreating a step or two. I can see you've suffered much these last few months, but not by my hand, never by my hand. This I swear. Though I realize my word means nothing to you now, please just allow me to explain. Yet the hatred remained on the young man's face. What explanation could you possibly have for betraying your best friends? Much has happened to us all, Niles. Please, if our friendship meant anything to you in the past, allow me to explain. Keep your words, shouted Niles, readying himself. They mean nothing now, not anymore. He lunged, his sword pointed at Brian's heart. The prince stepped clear. Willowbrook lunged again. This time, Bryant grabbed Niles' wrist and, using the young man's anger and momentum against him, sent him spilling to the ground. Niles, stop. Please. Please, I beg you. But the young man refused to listen. Leaping to his feet, Willowbrook renewed his attack. Bryant parried a thrust and then another, all the while in a quandary. He would not hurt his friend, but neither would he allow himself to be hurt. Employing all his skills, the prince pressed Niles back against the wagon, and with a feint and a quick swipe of his blade, tore the knight's sword from his hand. Will you listen to me now? No, I will not hear you. Still seething, Niles came at him again, swinging wildly with his fists. But before he could make contact, the prince kicked his feet out from under him and sent him crashing to the ground. You will not do that, blurted Duane. You will not shame him that way. Duane started forward with a growl, intending to help Niles back to his feet but soon found the point of Brian's sword just below his breastbone. Stay where you are, said the prince in deadly earnest. Duane reluctantly obeyed. No one moved or spoke for a long moment. Then the prince lowered his weapon and returned it to its scabbard. He offered Niles a hand up, but the knight purposely looked away. Oh, very well then, said Brian out of frustration. Sit there and stew, but you will hear me out. He shot a pointed look at Duane. And so will you. He paused briefly to collect himself. We've known each other our whole lives lives. I was there when you rode your first horses. I was there when you were handed your first swords. He looked at Niles. I carried you home the day you broke your leg. I even helped to set the bone. He let Niles think on this a moment and then turned to Duane. I dug trenches with you when the rains threatened your estate and during the blight beat the locust from your fields. This next he meant for both. I've fought at your backs. I've covered your retreats and been more than grateful when you've saved my life. After all that we've shared, do you think me capable of doing the things you say? Niles weighed the prince's words, then stared sullenly at the ground. It was Duane who spoke first, looking and sounding ashamed of himself. All that is true. We have indeed shared much. Bryant paused, suddenly tired and saddened. Then please, please... Let me tell you what has happened. He started with the day his brother rendered him unconscious, and when at last he had finished, he picked up Niles' sword and presented it to him hilt first. Niles looked at it, then looked at Bryant. He took it from him and walked down the road. A strangled cry escaped his lips, and he swung the weapon in a blind fury. Again and again at war with an invisible enemy. At length, strength spent and out of breath, he doffed his weapon to the ground. 
Whereupon he turned back to the prince with a tortured look, and fell to his knees weeping. Dwayne sat beside him, then so did Brian, each of them putting his arm around Niles. They were bruised and hurting, from wounds that might never heal, but at least they were together again. And, for the time being, it was enough to sit there as friends in silence, listening to the sighing of the wind. Wasting not a single moment more, they formed ranks and marched down the road, and by sunset they were well beyond the woods and on the grassy plains of Torkelstone County. Here they made camp, and the prince introduced his friends to Malady and the boys. You mean he really is a prince? said Noam. He's not just crazy? Well, lad, said Niles, a playful glint in his eye, I can't account for his mental state, but uh, yes, he really is a prince. Brian laughed long and hard. It was good to laugh again, to boast, to squabble, to jest. Just being together was like a tonic to his spirits, and oh, how his spirits soared. He looked at the two men. After all the years they had spent as friends, they were as much a part of him as was his heart, which panged a little as he thought of this, for it was not yet complete. One friend was still missing, Dylan. Though Bryant could already feel himself healing, he also knew he would never be whole until he was once again in Dylan's presence, the brother that should have been his. A burst of laughter dragged him from his thoughts, and he scanned the faces of all those gathered around the fire. The mood about them was so light they could have been enjoying an overnight excursion. A dragon? exclaimed Duane, a skeptical look upon his face. I don't believe it. The last dragon was slain ages ago. I ain't lying, said Dinoam. I am not lying, Cow corrected. Good, cause neither am I. He turned to his brother for support. Am I, Noam? It weren't no dragon, the older boy admitted to the knights. Dinoam narrowed his eyes at him. And just what would you call it? A big ugly lizard. Dwayne and Niles laughed, the boys <laughs> laughed, and even Malady snickered. <laughs> and what would you call that red-colored giant with the fuzzy bottom, huh? Asked the little one haughtily. The one with sprang at us from the ground. I don't know, chuckled Noam. I do, offered Malady meekly. They all turned to her. What, Mum? asked Noam eagerly. What would you call it? Trouble, said the woman, suppressing a smile, which made the others laugh some more. <laughs> Very good. The conversation went on like this for a while, but when the darkness was fully upon them, each in turn fell silent, for on the eastern horizon they could see a bright glow, and above it, like a herald of doom, hung an ominous mass blacker than the night. What's that? asked Malady curious. Something's on fire, answered Duane, staring at the distant light. Sobering, Bryant peered at the eastern sky. He knew at once what was the source. Torkelstone Castle had been set on fire. Dylan's in trouble, said the prince grimly. He looked about quickly, and his eyes fell upon the wagon team. The horses, called Bryant to his friends. Make ready to leave. He took Father Fervor aside, and when they were done conversing, the prince turned to Malady and the boys and bid them gather about. Perhaps it was the look upon his face, for Malady started wringing her hands almost at once. <clears throat> this is hard for me to say, began the prince, staring into their faces. And truly it was, for he had grown attached to them. We've shared so much over the past few weeks, I feel like we've become a family of sorts. Aye, oh, that's true, said Malady, forcing a smile, though her stomach chose that moment to gurgle. Brian lowered his eyes, finding the words harder to say than he had expected. But, I'm afraid... The time has come for us to part. I think I'm gonna be sick, said the woman, gagging. <laughs> Cower by now had learned the drill. He quickly lowered Malady's head below her waist. Deep breath. <laughs> Let it go. Deep breath. <laughs> Let it go. 
They leaned her against the wagon. Bryant gave her a long, fond look. I've spoken to Father Fervor, and he has agreed to protect you until I return. But what if you don't? I will. But what if you don't? I'm telling you I will, said the prince intently, gazing into her eyes. What I don't know is how long it will take for me to return. You said you'd look after us. You promised Clavia would. And so I shall. But if I am to achieve the means to do so, I must travel fast from here on out. What lies ahead is far too dangerous, and I will not risk the lives of those I of those I care about. Well, I've done well enough so far, ain't I? I mean, I come up against lots of things what would make some other folks croak. And I ain't had no seizures for a long time. I've gone at least a whole week without even fainting. You've been courageous. He glanced at Noam and Denoam. And so too have the boys. But I still must go on alone from here. Malady's eyes filled with tears. She had hoped for so much. This ain't the way it was supposed to be, thought the woman. I was going to be a lady. I was going to have servants and treats. But deep down inside her, she knew it was never meant to be. A whole world of experiences separated them. Apples and juicy fruit, like me mum used to say. Mix them and you wind up with a belly ache. She surfaced from her thoughts, realizing she was gripping the leather pouch. And remembering the skin balm, she reached inside and handed it to the prince. Apply it once a day, said the woman, wiping her nose. And stay out of the sun for a while. I will, said the prince, accepting the balm and the advice with an affectionate smile. He slipped it into the purse at his belt, then took her hand in his. Here, said Brian. It was his turn to give her something, and he placed a small diamond on her palm. She looked at it, and her eyes went wide. It's all that's left, and if it weren't for blind luck, we would have lost this too. The villagers got them all when they emptied my purse, said Cower, smiling. Save for that one small piece that fell by accident into my boot. Brian gazed at the stone, his last sure chance to buy arms and an army. It's not as much as I'd hoped, but it's enough to see you well endowed, and much more should I... He paused, wondering if it was wise to bring up the possibility of his death. He decided it was best to keep nothing from her, should I die somewhere before finding you again. However, Malady was only half listening. So ecstatic was she over her newfound wealth. <laughs> Looky here! Looky here! twittered the woman as she marveled at the stone. I'm a blanking duchess after all! Bryant crouched in front of Denoam. Mind your mother while I'm gone, and I don't want to hear you've given the friars any trouble. Says you, replied Denoam, his eyes downcast. But then, much to Bryant's surprise, the boy gave him a strong hug, and as he returned it, the prince found an unexpected lump in his throat. He tousled the boy's hair, then stood and offered Noam his hand. You're a brave lad. I couldn't have made it this far without you. Noam shook the prince's hand. Ah, it was nothing. Then he added somewhat awkwardly, My lord. Dwayne and Niles had already mounted one horse, leaving the other free for Bryand and Cower. The prince swung himself up and waited for the retainer who was saying his goodbyes to Malady and the boys. Now, uh, remember, Denoam, no watering lawns if you can help it. It makes brown spots. And you, Noam, said Cower, clapping the older boy on his shoulder. Keep in mind one thing. If you bathe, people will like you. He took Malady's outstretched hand. Hmm, 
Well, well, replied the woman, tearing up once more. Don't forget to take care of yourself while you're taking care of the prince. A smile threatened the corners of Kawa's mouth. <clears throat> I shall endeavour to keep that in mind. He allowed the smile to escape a bit. And you, my dear, must promise to stay out of draughts. <clears throat> once winter comes, I will remember to do so. And then, to everyone's surprise, they hugged. Leaving Malady with her arms around the boys, Kawa swung himself up behind the prince. Strange, said the retainer, reflecting aloud. I've dreamed of this moment quite often, I must admit, and now that it's here I am suddenly reluctant to part with them. Brian nodded, unable to speak, surprised by the sadness he felt. Even so, he knew there could be no other way. He had learned much over the past few months, but the one thing that had impressed him most was how far he still needed to travel, and by this he was thinking not just of the road, but of the many trials awaiting him. He forced a smile and waved to Melody and the boys one last time, then turned to the glow at the horizon. Ready, said the prince, his heart now in his throat, whereupon, once his friends had replied, he spurred the horse to a gallop. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh.